You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Page to Stage. A conversation with theater makers. We're your hosts. That's Brian. And that's Mary. This episode is part of our series on Six the Musical. In this series, we uncover the process behind the musical through our central question. What role does history play in the storytelling of Six, a show that uses the history mix as a device? We hope you enjoy this episode. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Bob Mason. I am the casting director and an artistic associate at Chicago Shakespeare Theater, where Six had its North American premiere. I've been at Chicago Shakespeare for 21 years as the casting director, and I was the casting director in Chicago for Six the Musical. And I ended up the cast that we cast in Chicago is the one that went to Broadway. Amazing. Welcome. Thank you. We got connected with you from one of my friends and former guests, Jeff Talbot, who I think was probably our third episode of Page to Stage. (laughs) So like 50 episodes ago, which is just (laughs) mind boggling to me. But um, I'm really excited to get to speak with you, especially because I I think it's so interesting that you had a hand in casting a Broadway show without even probably realizing that it was a Broadway show. Well, we knew what the trajectory was. 
Yeah. yeah. That's one of the reasons they came to Chicago Shakespeare. And um, about four years ago, we built a big proscenium stage, which we never had before. So we never had the opportunity to be involved in pre-Broadway productions, and now we can. Um, and uh, we actually, we got involved in it uh, through George Stiles. And I don't know if Lucy and Toby talked about George, you know, because yeah. he, he kind of got them to the West End. And we've produced a couple of George's musicals here, uh, premiere of Three Musketeers, and then um, his uh, version of Peter Pan. So we had a relationship with him, a relationship with Kevin McCollum. And so that's kind of how it worked its way to us. Isn't it funny how those things work out? I mean, it, yes. I mean they say this is really a business of who you know, and, and really it's, you don't really have to even know them that well for things to kind of move in any sort of different direction. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, knowing what six is now, the phenomenon and how anybody would have wanted to premiere this musical, you know, we are so fortunate to have had the opportunity to do that. <laughs> uh, just to give our listeners a scope of your background, how long have you been with Chicago Shakes? And how do you think that six fits with what you guys do there? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, I've been with the theater 21 years. And um, it's so funny because we're a Shakespeare theater. So people always say, you know, why are you doing musicals? Why are you doing six? And And we kind of take it as Shakespeare being the inspiration for everything we do which is pretty easy because he was like the greatest humanist that there was. And, but to take something that is historical in quotation marks, you know, that's actually a pop concert um, has a lot to do with the way that we want to present Shakespeare, where we want to get the cobwebs off of it and make it very relevant to now and very vital. You know, we're not stuck in pumpkin pants. So in some ways, it's such a great fit. And we've done a lot of musicals. We've done a lot of Sondheim. We had a connection to Sondheim. So we've done a lot of his pieces. Um, so it, it, it actually is a, such a great fit for us. You know, we just have never done anything this pop contemporary before. And, and in all my years of casting, I never had a chance to cast something this contemporary. And I'm like a Broadway musical baby. So it was so exciting for me to do something so completely different. Do you think this will, I mean, looking a little bit ahead, I suppose, but do you think that this will have any impact on the future um, stories that you tell? In I terms hope of, so. Yeah. And yeah. Like well, kind I, of moderate, modernizing like Shakespeare and stuff. Yes. And, and we've always had a tendency to do that. Like we have um, the Q brothers have written a number of adaptations for us. Like they've done a version of, um, of Much Ado called Funkin' Up About Nothing. And then they did a Othello the Remix, which is a four-person telling of the Othello story, all men. And um, we've traveled it around the world. It, um, it played at the Globe during the Olympiad Festival. So we have kind of a history in updating Shakespeare as well. Something that when we were speaking with Toby and Lucy, they talked about, I mean, it's also been publicly known, you can probably search it on Google, of when they were writing the characters, it was inspired by current pop icons that we know today. Um, and, and then when we were talking with them, they actually said that in future productions or in subsequent productions, it's kind of changed a little bit with the times, of course. Um, so introducing like Lizzo as as opposed to like Lauren Hill, um, obviously those were two different characters, but just as an example. So from a casting perspective, what did that do for you? Did that help you in any way? Were you using that or were you really just kind of keeping everything like an open mind? Well, we were using it in the fact that we would let people know in the breakdown that Anne Boleyn is you know, kind of a riff on these pop singers so that they would know what kind of material to sing for it. 
um, and see what was appropriate for them. But the amazing thing about Lucy and Toby is they did not want to replicate what they had done in London. I mean, they did not want to think about what the person looked like. You know, they just wanted, how do we find people that best fit this material for themselves that are really exciting to us? So that's such a great, you know, it's not like you're putting Les Mis on and you're doing the 20th, you know, bus and truck. And so you have to look like the Cosette that fit the costume, you know, for the last 15 years, you know, there's none of that going on. And so that was really such a breath of fresh air to really and have I'm no sure, restrictions. Yeah. And I'm sure creatively, I'm sure that gave you a lot of freedom and something you probably enjoyed. Um, so much freedom. You could, look at, you could look at everyone. You could, you know, there wasn't anybody that you could not look at. Um, for the for the production, so that was that was such a uh, I mean it, it meant a lot of work, but it was such a joy. I mean it's really one of the most joyful experiences I've ever had. Is there a case where you were like looking at one performer for a specific queen, and then just through the audition process and the callbacks, maybe the you you changed your mind just based on their their personality? You got to know them a little bit more, or their take on a certain song. Absolutely. Actually, when we started, we'd meet them by, they'd sing their own pop song they'd come in with. And, and for callbacks, if we call them back, we would give them two or three different queens. We would actually kind of give them an assortment platter to see what fit best. And absolutely, as it went through, we'd be going, oh, she's so much more, you know, Anne of Cleves than she is Jane Seymour. Um, so it was all an evolving process. How much of the history did you did you surround yourself in? to get a feel for the story, these women in their actual, because the trend that we found in this series is that the history is just, you know, like maybe the stereotypical uh, structure, maybe just like the bones for what the story actually is. And then they, everybody is an individual and riffs off of that, that structure. Yeah. Because I, I think I got stuck in the history before we started. I did all this research. I like, and I love, you know, like because of Henry VIII, I knew Catherine of Aragon would have been the oldest one. And so I was kind of stuck into those tropes. And then when they got there, they're like, we don't care. You know, we don't care about that. It's about the essence of the character and fitting and fitting that. So that's something I had to let go of, but it took me a little while because it was kind of stuck in my head what the history of it was. What are your first steps when you get handed a script? What are you, what do you typically like to do before you get into the audition room? Well, something like this, because there wasn't as much of a script and it mostly, of course, you know, by then um, the show is on Spotify, you know, and it's the, the second biggest behind Hamilton number of, of, of hits, like 40 million, 50 million, something like crazy like that. Um, and so it was getting to know the music, which was always such a joy to have playing in the office all the time. Um, and um, then it really was a matter of putting out the breakdown that they had given us about who these women were, what their background was, what pop stars they were kind of aligned with, and then just accepting submissions, you know, hundreds and hundreds of submissions, and then going through, I, I think I saw about a, 130 women live just for pre-screens, you know, and then maybe bought, brought, brought back 25 or 30 of them for Lucy and Toby live in Chicago. And we did a, you know, a New York trip as well, of course. And then we also did a trip to Toronto because one of the theaters participating in the Citadel is in Edmonton. So they wanted to see if there's a way of casting a Canadian actress as well. And that actually was the most exciting casting 
of the entire process for me because you get a lot of videotapes, you know, just people self-submitting videotapes. And often I'm sure actors think, does anybody watch these? Well, I watch them because I'm so paranoid that I'm going to miss the one. You know, there's one person in here and there was, there was, you know, I'm looking at like the 200th video submission and this woman's video just, it knocked me out. And um, it was Andrea Macassett who uh, lived in, um, so Winnipeg, maybe, I think, um, which is very far from Toronto, which I didn't realize when she had to travel to Toronto for her audition. Um, but it, the video was so exciting, you know, and have the chance to meet someone you wouldn't normally get to meet and then have her come in person and be so awesome, you know, and she didn't even have her Canadian equity card. You know, she got her equity, both of her equity cards doing six. Um, and that was just such an exciting discovery. I mean, that's like a fun story just to keep with you for your whole career, not just as a part of the six journey. Absolutely. Because I'm sure, I mean, how often has that happened to you? <laughs> yeah. You know, not, not often. They're just, you know, a handful of things that I treasure that happened to me in my career. You know, I introduced an actress right out of college to Peter Brook and her first job out of college was doing a year long world tour with him. You know, things like that. You go, oh, I, I helped somebody. <laughs> so now when we had Brittany on, she told us that when she was going in for um, this audition, she just thought she was going in for a general's audition for Chicago Shake. She thought she was, you know, going to play like a munchkin in The Wizard of Oz, <laughs> as she said. Um, so and and then Six just happened to be one of those shows that you guys were auditioning for. So. At that point, what was the whole idea for Six? Was it just supposed to be at Chicago at that point? And also, um, was it just like a season audition and then you just pulled certain girls for Six? It, it was a combination of, we do our generals every year, you know, our equity generals. So I'm pulling people for a whole season from that. Um, and I knew we were doing Six at that point because we started rehearsal, we started auditions at the end of January, 2019. And I think we finished at the end of February and then it opened in May. Um, so there wasn't that long of a time in between, at least for Chicago, because we tend to cast things far in advance. So a lot of people didn't know about Six when they came in for their audition. So they might've been surprised to get a call back, but it was between the, those live auditions and the videos and the pre-screens that I did to then decide, you know, I saw them in, at, the, at the live general and thought, oh, they have a really interesting voice. This might be a great fit for Six. Have them come in and do something that fits the show. Was there anyone from your circle, whether they have worked with you before or they've you've like re recognized them from previous auditions or recurring auditions, anyone you had in mind pre-casting notice or pre-getting, you know, watching all those tapes? Um, I will say that we, Abby Mueller, who is in New York now, but she started out in Chicago, the whole Mueller family, you know, is very, very theatrical and uh, successful. And um, Abby always struck me as a Jane Seymour. And some people say, is it because she looks like the woman who does it in London? I'm like, no, there's just something about Abby that, and her voice fits it so well. So she was someone in some ways that um, in Chicago, when we were still looking for that, at the end of the day, that was the one character we were still looking for, um, that we kind of pursued her to get her... Um, into Chicago because she was in Mon she was in Montana doing the last five years, and it was really hard to get her to Chicago. But we just didn't give up on it, you know. So we finally got her in front of the creatives and, um, you know, in front of the choreographer. Because I don't know if anyone's talked about this, the thing that is the hardest thing about getting cast as six is the choreography. I mean, there are so many women out there who can sing the hell 
out of this material, you know, and some big people on Broadway who wanted to do this show and, you know, who wanted offer only. And they're like, no, we're not doing that, you know, and they came in because they wanted to do the show so much. But the thing that they got, the choreography is very unusual too. It's, you know, it's not what you'd expect. So it's, it's tricky to learn. Um, and it also made me realize why the women who do the show are young because I think old knees can't really sustain the dancing that goes on in this show because there's a lot of stomping that happens, but and it's continual throughout the whole piece, you know? So um, that, that was a huge part of the audition is a, a winnowing process was actually the dance. That's so interesting. I don't think we've ever spoken on page to stage with the casting director about, um, about how choreography is handled in the uh, audition room. How does that work for you and working with the choreographer uh, at the same time in the room? Yeah, well, we had um, uh, Carrie Ann with us. And so, um, or if not, we had Megan Farley, who was our Chicago assistant, who's been going around and staging a lot of the productions of Six, like when they did some on the cruise lines and things like that. She's gone in and put the shows together for them. and so we would have a group, like for our callbacks, we had two group callbacks of like between 12 and 15 people. And they would do the material that we'd sent them. And then they would do a dance call with Carrie all together. So we could, we could see how they moved. Um, and what was really interesting about the callback process is that Toby and Lucy wanted all the women in the room as everyone auditioned. They didn't want them to come in one at a time. And part of that was to see like, how much were they involved in the process as opposed to just their stuff? Because they had them do all of the back and forth in Anne Boleyn's song, you know, where, where they'll repeat something that she said or, or give her crap about something. And um, so they had all the women do that while each Anne Boleyn would perform. And they really were looking at how invested the women were. Um, which was, which is really important for the show too, to have that right kind of attitude. Um, but I thought that that was kind of fascinating that it really kind of was a group audition. Yeah. In a way. Well, actually, it's funny you mentioned that because Brittany, when we spoke with her, that was one of the things that she brought up with us. And that was something that was very pivotal for her, not just for like her audition experience with Six, but I think for her career is what it sounded like because she learned so much from that experience and having not been in, in like a very, um, community-driven audition experience before. I think that she really enjoyed that. Um, And just being able to, like, really – she talked about the energy a lot of, like, feeding off of, like, Andrea's energy when she was singing her song and, like, telling – you know, a lot of support and motivation, you just being in that experience. And there wasn't a lot of – there wasn't any time, really, I guess, to to be in the hallway. I'm just, like, eating at your nerves of just, oh, so much better than me. And so I'd be curious to see if that – is a trend, if you will, or if that is something that is used in more casting experiences? Do you think that with future casting experiences on, on I don't your think side? That, I don't think a lot of people are like Lucy and Toby thinking that way. I think if it's an ensemble show, it's absolutely something that you should do, you know, because also they would take that group and just mix up the parts and have them do that, the opening scene that they have together and just to see how they could play off of each other and how that worked as well. And it wasn't really about the role. It was just about how they interacted with each other. So then is that something um, and how the audition experience is from start to finish? Is that really a writer call or like a producer call or is it more of a conversation amongst everybody? I think it's, it's a director and a writer call since Lucy was directing it as well. Um, You know, they know from experience 
This is how we get to know people best. And that was something that they educated us so much because we would see people and just think, oh my gosh, they're so great and so right for this. And Lucy's like, they're not really. And it would take us through the process to understand why they weren't really right. But Lucy knew you know, what it was she was looking for and what the show needed. Um, and, and, and as happens with auditions all the time, I remember, especially in Canada, we went and some women just knocked us out. I thought for sure they're going to be in this show. And then by the next day, it wasn't going to happen. And it wasn't because they did anything less. It was the more they thought about how they fit into the piece. And they thought, oh, they don't really fit into what we're creating. You know, so it's not a talent question at all because these women were phenomenal. Were you guys also at the in this original casting process casting uh, swings or covers? Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah, and in the end, what was really exciting too is that all three of our swings went to Broadway. Yeah, yeah that's so awesome. that was kind of amazing. Do you mind? I mean, this might be a little bit more difficult than it originally sounds, but I'm curious if you wouldn't mind breaking down how you break down or schedule out. Um, like a whole casting process or just even a casting day? Like how do you sort out, do you want, or do you and the creative team want to see uh, like songs first? Like, the, or do you want to have them see, like seen as a group? Do you do choreography? Where does that land? If it's, I mean, six wasn't really book heavy, but in a, in a situation where there is a heavy book where you do want to hear sides, yeah, where does that it's, fall it's in? It's different for every process with six. They- wanted to work on the group dynamic so they called them in at the same time and then had them work on you know the songs but with other people there um work on the group sing scenes um then some people did go out and people would come in and do like one song for them if they wanted to hear a song again and then they, they would end it with the choreography so it was like we spent the morning with one group we spent the afternoon with another for other projects like say i'm doing a romeo and juliet i'll often have a fight call first so I can see who's a good enough fighter to call back into the room. So that way I, we're not falling in love with an actor who actually doesn't have the the skill set to do the show. So in, in that case with like a fight call or I guess even in Six's case with choreography, do you is it your opinion that people those are type like those are types of skills that just can't be taught within a very limited rehearsal process that you really should be coming to the table with that already? Yes, unless it's, you know, some people like even with Six um they could tell they could do it. They could tell they needed more time. And so that was totally fine. They didn't have to nail it. And it's the same way with, with fighters like, oh, depending on what the role is, oh, Peter doesn't fight that much. This guy could totally do that. But Mercutio, no, this guy needs to be an A-plus fighter. So it depends on the role. And, and um, But you don't always have to come in at all and just be perfect. You, you rarely, I mean, you're, that's rarely what you're looking for. You're really looking for skill set and you're looking for essence. What's the essence of this person and how does that fit the character? Another thing that Brittany mentioned that I thought that I would like to hear your perspective on was she mentioned that for her initial audition before callbacks, um, you guys kept asking her to sing different songs from her book and over and over and over again. Um, do you remember that being the case with her? Yes. And so what are you looking for when you keep asking a performer to sing a different song from their book? You're trying to see what styles fit them because the styles of the songs are so different. Um, where the different ranges fit in their voice. 
you know, how because this this character has a lot of low stuff. Does she have the low stuff, or this character has, you know, um, Catherine of Aragon has this crazy high thing at the end of her her song? Is that in her range as well? So it's really just to explore as much and get to know as much as you can about that person's voice and what styles are comfortable sitting on them. Do you have any advice for young performers or even uh, performers that want to? revitalize their book, looking to expand or diversify what they have? Again, you should have as many different styles as possible. You know, you need your, um, besides your, people will say we're in love, you know, you need your, <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever, uh, you know, your, your rock out song is, whatever your pop contemporary musical theater song is, your Sondheim song, your country song, you know, just, you have to have all those different things in your book because you never know, especially if you're, if you're coming in for a theater and you're auditioning for six, maybe, and I'm actually also casting the Wizard of Oz, you know, I might just, since you're there in front of me, ask you to sing something else. So I don't have to call you back in. You know, so you should always just be prepared and and know those things that are in your book and know how to find them quickly. Like be, be organized, have your tabs. Don't spend like a minute going, I know it's here somewhere. I don't think it's in my car. I, you know, so. <laughs> Is there a, like a number that you'd recommend on how many songs to have in your book? I mean, obviously, I'm sure like the more the better in certain cases. That way there's a... Uh, a range to choose from, but is there like a golden number that you would recommend? Well, what comes into my head is 10. You know, I know a lot of people have a lot more than that. Mm -hmm. Um, And people have a lot less. People have, I know this one song that I have sheet music to, and that's, or I know this one song and I don't have sheet music to it. And that's all I know. After the casting process, what are your responsibilities to the production after those uh, auditions? Are you, you know, meeting with creative team members and and finalizing uh, any of the casting decisions, talking with um, these actors' representation to try and finalize contracts? That usually comes from the producing office. I will set out um, all the information in a contract database and send them a task request saying, we want to hire this person, call their agent. You know, here are the terms. If the understudies aren't done, we'll work on understudies. One of our understudies is so terrific. She had missed the whole six thing happening. And she heard someone at another show, she's doing a, a children's show in the morning talking about it. So she emailed me, emailed me and she's like, this may be over, but I just wanted to give you my stuff. And I said, well, we're looking for understudies. And she was awesome. <laughs> she's like, oh, it's too bad you weren't around when we cast the show, but you're awesome. So she became an understudy and then got to go to New York with it as well. But um, most af- after my work's done, it's mostly producing. Um, if it were a Shakespeare play or uh, a different play, I would also then during previews, give notes to the director, things like that. For six, that's not necessary because they have a, a whole team there and they don't, they don't need my opinion. They know what they're doing. <laughs> so. Now, when the show did move on past Chicago Shakes, what was your involvement? I know that um, Peter Van Dam from Tara Rubin handles the New York casting for six now. Right. Uh, so how does that all work out contractually for you? And what does that mean? Does your Did your work end once it left Chicago? Pretty much. Pretty much because, um, uh, because we were starting in Chicago, we hired Peter and Tara to be our New York branch knowing that we'd have to go to New York as well. And then once the show got cast with a mix of Chicago and New York and Canadian actors, um, we had production at ART and production at Minneapolis St. Paul, the production at the Citadel in Edmonton. But um, except for when Samantha Pauly went to go play Evita 
in uh, the Regent's Park in London um, when Courtney Mack went on. The cast remained the same. The only time that really got a call was they were looking for an extra understudy for when they were in Minneapolis. So we were kind of looking for someone to do that. But, but pretty much once, this, once the show was set, it was set, which is also very unusual that there wasn't any talk about replacements and things like that. So, Yeah, I was going to say, it, it, especially with how many uh, different venues that they played. I mean, they, it was technically a tour, I guess, um, a little bit unconventionally, though. Um, it. Or like, would you have expect? Were you expecting to have the conversation about replacements? Was, I mean, it was was it a, a year that they were before like, between Chicago before and Broadway? Yeah, yeah. Well, a year between, yeah, pretty, yeah, pretty much a year. Auditions and then being in New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so they're like, were you? So were you expecting to have the conversation about replacements? Is that like pretty? I, I wasn't. I thought they were all so amazing. It would have <laughs> surprised me. I mean, I'm sure producers are having talks about things like that, but none of that dribbled down to me because nothing had to be done. So, um, but uh, it never occurred to me that they wouldn't use these women. You know, and it's so interesting too with the diversity in the cast. It was never something that was set out like we need this, we need this, we need this representation. It just all fell into place without any discussion. Hmm. So that's amazing because the uh, the understudies for the show can play. Of I mean, typically understudies will play a variety of characters, um, or will cover a variety of characters. Um, do the understudies for six? Do they cover all six queens, or is it very, still very um, specific? They each cover two, maybe one will be a second cover for a third. I know they've had that understudy question because, you know, people are so, um, you know, because the show is like 80 minutes long, you know, but they are constant in that 80 minutes, especially with the movement and the singing. So, so. Never leaving the stage. (laughs) Yeah. And people do go out and people are like, well, why does that happen? And I thought, well, if you see the show, you'll understand, you know, so they're always wondering, like, make sure they have enough understudies in case, you know, people are out at the same time. Is there anything that you learned from this process, casting six, that you uh, that sticks out to you or is something that you might take to a future casting process? That putting on a play doesn't have to be gloom and doom. It can be really fun. And I think, you know, that play thing we forget about, but it can be a joyous experience. Everyone's looking for the same thing to happen. But I think it's because we had leaders like Lucy and Toby, you know, that they want it to be, they're so open and they just want it to be a joyous experience, you know, and their youth helps that. And they're so young. It just, it's amazing. Look, they're 26 now, maybe. Um, so uh, that was a, a big thing is that it, it, like we get in our own way a lot. We make things a lot more difficult than we need to. Um, we just stress about things that they will take care of themselves. And also, it's all about having great collaborators. Well, I think one of the things that has been another trend in our six series that ties back to Toby and Lucy being so young, a lot of people say they're so young, they're so young. And I think that a lot of young people are scared to actually put out their work into the universe because of you know, some older people may not take them seriously. Um, do you have any advice uh, and just maybe your perspective on that whole stigma behind youth actually getting out there and being taken seriously for their work? At Chicago Shakespeare, we've encouraged a lot of young writers. Like a, there's a, a there's a writing team out of Northwestern that um, we commissioned to do a, 
a children's musical for us a couple of years after they graduated. And, you know, that was 15 years ago and they've gone on to really great things, you know? So I, I think when you're young, what you forget is you're going to be, you're going to create the future that you want, you know, because now the, as I, as I get to, you know, a latter part of my casting career, I see how much the world has changed. And I see the new work that people are doing that is so exciting. So concentrate on that. Concentrate on what excites you, especially if it's outside of the box, because it might be the norm one day because of what you do. That's some great advice. So kind of, I guess, still on the same line of Brian's question, but for anyone out there who's listening right now, who is either considering, has considered, um, becoming working in casting working with the casting office casting um shows whether that's with um, a more established agency or maybe just starting off and freelancing on their own what advice do you have for those theater makers out there that are looking to start this process especially now that we're coming out of the pandemic and things are you know uncertain at this time if you can get some sort of job even part-time or internship in an office just to see how it really runs it's a great thing. And also see as much theater as you can. Um, Cause I started, I was an actor for 15 years and I had never cast a play in my life before I started at Chicago Shakespeare, but they knew me and they trusted my taste. And I had seen hundreds of plays, you know, because I was one of those actors that if I wasn't working, I was out seeing something, you know, and that, and that really held me in great stead for the first few years when I was a casting director. So, you know, just go and see as much as you can, you know, go to the bar afterwards and talk to people. But if you can get yourself into a casting office just to see how it runs, that's incredibly helpful. Amazing. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I'm ready to jump into the lightning round, which is not so lightning. Okay. Um, <laughs> we're not going to, we won't time you or anything. I really okay. feel like we need to change we this need to the name change of this the section. Of this. The first question is, what is one thing in the theater industry that confuses you? I think that theaters with big budgets don't make the actor the most important thing. You know, that, that, that they will raise money on a capital campaign, you know, for buildings and for things like that. But if they could just, a capital campaign for $500,000 a year, imagine how much they could raise actor salaries, you know? And I think that we, we pay pretty well, but it's just like, but, but it, it, only, it reaches a ceiling and that's, you know, no matter how much experience you have, that's, you're not going to make you know, a lot of money unless you're doing a big musical tour or something like that. But in regional theater, I, I often think that they don't take enough in, uh, into account of, of the actor's experience. What are three adjectives that describe your ideal working environment? Collaborative, calm, <laughs> which doesn't happen, and um, inspiring. If you could cast any show, a player musical that you haven't already had a hand in working on, what would it be and what draws you to that particular piece? Oh, gosh, I'm sure there are so many. This, this will just be a, a, a nerdy comeback because I've, I've cast all but five of Shakespeare's plays. I was going to say, is there a Shakespeare play that and, you haven't done? And I'm doing All's Well next year. So I haven't done Coriolanus. And I think it's an incredibly, incredibly hard play. So that's one play I think would be a challenge for me, but there's got to be a musical out there that I would love to cast, you know, because um, I, I, I was a musical theater person and I, I love musicals. And like um, I saw that uh, they're doing um, A Man of No Importance at the end of CSC season next year when John Doyle leaves. And I thought, oh, that'd be a lovely musical to cast because it's so human. <laughs> 
Um, is there something in your process that you find unique to you? I, I don't know because I don't know enough about other people's processes. But one thing I realized when the pandemic was over, I had an audition um, still on Zoom. And I forgot that what I do is that when I'm watching people, I'm also writing down the other projects they're right for and what roles I should be calling them in for. And then I realized I've had a year and a half of not doing that. And it's put me really far behind in casting the season because I haven't been generating these ideas. You know, so I think that's one thing I do is I'm always thinking about five other shows when I'm auditioning someone for something. That's great for people to hear, listeners out there. Yeah, there's no such thing as a, if you do a good audition, it's a good audition and it, it can pay off down the line. What is one job in the theater industry that you would trade jobs with for one week? Well, I can think the one that I wouldn't, which is to be a stage manager because I could not be that organized and I have nothing but great respect for them. I think it would be in education, be part of the education component. We have a really big, great education department, and um, and the work they do is so inspiring with with the the youth in Chicago. What is one hobby you have outside of theater? <laughs> Anyone in theater would have this pause. She's like hobbies outside of theater. It doesn't have to do with going to a play, because um, it's always been a thing where I'm like, I need hobbies. I need to like do mosaic tiles or something. Um, but I think, I think um, reading is the only other thing is, you know, I just, uh, when I have the chance to actually read a book, it's a great thing. Mm. Well, that's a great segue into my next question. <laughs> okay. Do you have any books or resources that you find helpful to you in your process? I don't know. Because I do so much Shakespeare, I spend a lot of time reading things like James Shapiro's books about like Shakespeare 1601 to find out what was life like then and how did that affect what the theater was like and why mm -hmm. the plays were written the way they were. I think find all of that really fascinating mm -hmm. and, and the, the, the shadow details that are in the plays, the codes that we don't understand anymore, I think is really mm -hmm. fascinating too, that, you know, they have to ride that line between the queen is still alive. I don't like what she's doing. How do I express that without getting my head chopped off? I find a lot of that background research a little more interesting than actually being entertained by Shakespeare sometimes, <laughs> but because I, I find it so fascinating, I really yeah. do enjoy the subject and and you know that that whole genre. But um, sometimes that's more interesting to me. <laughs> um, great. Okay, so then our final question is: What's your favorite part of the development process for a new show? Meeting new actors. That's the thing that that I've missed is is you know having pre-screens for a show and calling some people in like right out of college and, you know, meeting someone that just has something that I don't know how they have it at that age, you know, that's really exciting to be able to find, you know, how can I help them in their career? How can I help them find a place somewhere to learn? Um, we have a, a, we use the folio technique at Chicago Shakespeare um, as a way of investigating Shakespeare. And um, we, we started maybe 15 years ago, I started a, a program where we can offer it to actors that I might see in general auditions who I think are very talented, but they don't have any technique. And then we, so we can offer them like a six week class with one of our greatest actors for either nothing or half the price it would cost them someplace else. And I think that's really important to keep teaching people how to, how to speak the verse. Yeah, totally. That's amazing. How can our listeners find you or Chicago Shakes on social media and keep up with what you guys are doing? Well, I know they're at um, we're at www, 
www.chicagoshakes.com. Um, we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on, I think we're going on TikTok. We, we just have a, we have a new um, assistant in our office. And I guess he's like a, he's like a, a TikTok star. Didn't know this, that he has like, you know, tens of thousands of, of hits, you know, and so oh, wow. that, that's, it's a world I don't know that much about, but that it, it, it amuses me. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Well, thank you for, for chatting with us. This, this was great. We oh, have absolutely. been thank so, you so in- much. It's so enjoyable when, when some of these like loose ends or like, or, or, we're just like tying little bows on some of these stories, stories. that we've had over the episodes. Yeah. Um, sure. It's really nice to hear. So thank yeah. you so much. Absolutely. Yeah. My pleasure. Thanks everyone for listening to this episode of Page to Stage. To keep up with us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Page to Stage Podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation, we have other episodes with theater makers from Six the Musical. Check them out. Until next time. That's Brian. That's Mary. We'll see you later. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.